Come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry it for you. But I can carry the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me Welcome to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the king of strong style, Rick Barrasso. And I, your favorite co-host, the return of the King Boski. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. And today, we welcome back our token expert, our token token guy. (laughs) I'm uh, not a token expert. No. He's like every time we say that he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, was I'm I'm a little I'm a little off of my my ability. I, I feel a little off. I'm a little rusty right now um, compared to how I was about a year or two ago. Um, but I am still reading Lord of the Rings um, and a little bit of Children of Huron um, right now, but not Oof. as much. I used to do it like Children of Huron. Used to night like listen to it like every night or listen to a podcast on like Lord of the Rings or certain you know Middle Earth books, and um, not so much now. But pretty well versed. So let's say I'm okay. Well, don't sell yourself short because uh, you've been pretty tremendous on the last two Lord of the Rings episodes we've done, of course. Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers, and uh, this is the first time we're finishing a series on the show. So how about that? Yes. Uh, so of course today, as we said, we are heading west with Return of the King today. But let's take care of some business first. Last week we had a bit of a fantasy doubleheader. We started that off with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone with my lovely wife Jen Barrasso, and it was a great episode, as it always is when she is on. Uh, you can check that one out or any of our library on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use, subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. And if you enjoyed it, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook, at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend or traveling companion, our gardener, Bruce Wayne, would say, tell your friends about us. But now, let's talk about a movie that bows to no one. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King is a 2003 epic fantasy film directed, of course, by Peter Jackson. It stars Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins. Listen, you, you know who's in this one. There's a thousand people. We're not going <laughs> to go through it. We covered it in the other two. John Noble's in this one. He's kind of, he's in the extended version of Two Towers, but he's, he's a Denethor, you know, in earnest in this one. It made $1.146 billion on a $94 million budget. It's got an 8.9 on AMBB, a 93% in Rotten Tomatoes, and a 94% on Metacritic. 
Same. Ebert, our guy, Roger, says Return of the King is such uh, three three point five out of four. It doesn't quite go full full four for some reason, but he says Return of the King is a such a crowning achievement, such a vision, visionary use of all the tools of special effects, such a pure spectacle that it can be enjoyed even by those who have not seen the first two films. Glenn Kenny from Premiere Magazine says Peter Jackson and his armies of actors and technicians have managed to do what the Wachowski brothers and George Lucas could not make a perfect trilogy. Shots fucking fired. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? I agree. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, The Matrix is no longer a trilogy, so as of like a, a less than a month. How could you compare The Matrix to The Lord of the Rings? I love The Matrix, but dude, the special effects at the end of The Matrix are garbage. That's yeah, like, seriously. Oh my we, God, what We happened? talked about this last week with, with Harry Potter. The turning point for special effects is basically Lord of the Rings. It's 2002, 3, 4. Like, that's, that's when everything sort of flips to like... Mm-hmm special effects are bad to like oh we can we can work with this yeah and, um i i feel like it's another milestone like jurassic park was yes um, just a big milestone in cgi there are some moments because of the extended versions there are sure. some moments where it's real bad but I, they're yeah. not going to go in and clean it up i mean they'd have the money to but that's just not how it seems to go with hbo anyway. max make the jackson make another jackson cut make one 14 hour cut <laughs> so, I have something to say about the cut because I watched the extended version and course. when I go to the theatrical version there is a real problem with one cut in the theatrical version of this movie okay um, I, I haven't watched the theatrical version probably since the original DVD came out yeah so it's weird uh, but you, you watch for the a, one, you watch the extended and then you go if you watch the extended so much and then you go back to it you just feel this weird feeling of yes. like wait a second something's missing yeah, yeah, so it kind of screws it up for you. Okay, so let's get to a negative review. This is Antonia Quirk, I believe, of the London England, excuse me, London Evening Standard. And she says, Vigo Mortensen's Aragorn is the good king of the title. And while the actor may look fetching in a crown and cloak, he doesn't have half the gravitas of Sean Bean's Boromir in the first film. I, I mean, that's kind of a weird take because like, Two just two different characters. Yeah, you know, there's like, no. Yeah, there's there's no common thread to what the negative reviews are for this. If somebody didn't like it, it was like a one-off thing that they had a problem with. There was one. I don't know if I wanted to open this can of worms. That was like, it's basically, and this is like, you know, maybe something the least favorite thing. It's like the only dark-skinned people in this movie are villains. And it's like, okay, but that's more of a problem, I think, with the genre than than this movie. Right, right, right. I, I feel like um, George R. R. Martin did a better job as to trying to fix that problem. He, right. But he's far from perfect, keep in mind. But sure. But during a also- time where people addressed that this was a problem more so and have been more vocal about it, that directors hear that and yeah. they and they make their movie in the right way this was at a time when people weren't voicing their opinions on things like that and peter jackson probably didn't even i don't know i have no idea uh, so so i think what we have to remember is that every piece of fantasy film or tv from this point forward 
is either reacting to this or reacting to Harry Potter. That those are like, those are such titans of the genre. Like Game of Thrones is like reacting to this. Oh, 100%. You know? 100%. Yeah, and, and it, it, there needs to be a template for us to find what's wrong with the template. I will say, I don't think either Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings handled this one problem, and that's the feeling that people are just teleporting from one yes. part of the world to another, like, right. or, or that, like, armies, sometimes they'll, they'll make it feel like, oh, this aren't, like, Lord of the Rings does a great job of showing this is a vast army, and then they'll show, you know, inside the, inside certain, like, castles and certain rooms, it's like, okay, well, this is, this is the room, there's how many people are in here, but random scenes will will make you feel that it's not this big that it is that it is just actors on a set and game of thrones has that problem too because it's so hard yeah. to manage that when you're focused on the story and not so much the believability of what's going on i am so curious with the amount of money being pumped into the amazon lord of the ring series if every episode isn't like an incredibly epic if there was like one seam in that shit I'm going to be so disappointed because so much money is going. Well, they're, into they're putting in a, they're putting in a solid billion. Yes. Yeah. They're invest. The I'm keeping my expectations so low. As so far low. as writing. Sure. Everything, like that's everything. I'm keeping it low. I'm too close. As, to as far as effects though, as far as like scale of what they're doing, like the, like I just went over the, the budget for this movie. And I know it's a little different because they shot all three at the same time, but the, the budget for the TV show is 10 times that of the movie of, of return of the king and granted it's going to be longer it's 10 episodes or whatever it's going to be but, but is one the skill level sure i mean we'll see we'll see what it we'll see what it looks like we'll see what it yeah. looks like i'm i'm looking forward to it i, I really i really so you telling me that makes me excited but i ever since i heard there was there was like oh it's either going to be amazon it's going to be like this it's, i heard it was going to be possibly amazon or it was going to be um netflix there was like a basically they were setting they were sending it out to multiple companies and saying who wants it the most yeah i was really hoping for netflix to get it i trust them so more. hbo i trust hbo the most i think out of everyone oh yeah hbo i mean if hbo didn't have game of thrones i think it's it's a little too samey amazon at that time was like amazon as a company is so much bigger than netflix or hbo yeah. that it's just like it's unlimited money it's okay. and that's why you know we'll, we'll talk about sort of the streaming wars i'm sure as this show goes on as you know that the podcast in general goes on but like amazon and apple are so far and away bigger than even like disney i'm so glad apple didn't get it <laughs> yeah there's no project that apple could do that would make me be like i'm gonna spend money on an apple streaming service <laughs> that company belongs nowhere near making content what does amazon have as a as a um show right now that you love that you think is like a 10 out of 10? I don't know if they've gotten to a 10 out of 10 um, yet. That's for my, for Well, I mean, how many shows does Netflix have that it, that's a 10 out of 10? Oh, man. Um, uh, Hill House? First season was great. Yeah, um, I haven't seen the, the, the second two seasons yet, but like so that was a great first, season. I get confused who has who, but I think I, I'm not going to name it. I can't, I'll, I'll look up some stuff right now, but like, but I think HBO I, definitely has some 10 out of 10. Yes. HBO I, has them. Yeah. I will say Amazon, I have really enjoyed 
Um, I've, I'm really enjoying Wheel of Time right now. And that's okay. like, it, and, but that's only a few episodes in. That could absolutely shit the bed. But the last, the most recent episode, episode four at the time of recording of Wheel of Time is like incredible. I started Wheel of Time and then I, I couldn't just how I kept, I just kept noticing like, oh, this looks like very under budget. And it kind of distracted me. And then yes, the, the, baby the, and then the I just first episode is, has so far, like by far been the worst, but that also is the episode so far that has like the most like fantasy creatures in it. Yeah. So like, here we go. That's, that's troubling. Ozark, Mindhunter was great. Mindhunter, Mindhunter yeah. so good. American Vandal was really interesting. That's really, yeah. Oh, the crown, crown's great okay sounds great but compare um, but that to, but yeah compare the amount of originals that netflix has had Narcos that to to what amazon has had i'm, I'm just like yeah. looking up a list of amazon prime originals this is from july so i want to know i want to know what are their strongest ones so i can have confidence in uh i think i think there's just there's just too many fucking shows on right now it's yeah. it's a problem. It's like, it's tough. It's like tough to. There's just yeah. too many things like, I don't even know what to watch. But I will say that Wheel of Time it has a real chance to be like on the level of like big shows if it oh, wants yeah. to be. If it wants to be, sure. but um, I haven't seen it yet. But um, oh okay. So here are the top five according to this list. The top five Amazon shows. Wheel of Time is not included because it didn't come out at the time of the show. At the time of the article, rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Boys, which is excellent. Yep. Uh, Bosch, which I've not watched undone which i have not watched but it's uh looks like rotoscoped animation marvelous mrs mazel and number one they say is the underground railroad which i have not watched i Hmm. think with amazon they don't get like hype netflix gets hyped immediately yes well here's the amazon because they here's my problem with netflix is the like all the entire season at once Mm -hmm. because it i'm not a binger when it comes to tv like it takes me a couple of weeks to watch a 10 episode season because i'm like there's a bunch of stuff that i watch you know it I, it's tough for me to be like i'm only gonna watch this so by the time i watch it two to three weeks are are passed and the conversation's over yeah amazon releases weekly which i do prefer i think the the happy medium to hbo max did this you release episodes. three episodes at a time oh. Okay, yeah, two or three is amazing at yeah. a time. It's great. It's yeah. just enough to chew on, feel like you got enough, and then wait the time you need to wait. Yeah. I agree. 100%. I'm the complete opposite. I like to watch a show by itself with nothing else around it. So I can like Thank invest you. my time in it, you know? That's completely valid way to do it. Obviously, Netflix is super successful. Yeah. But I'm just different. Yeah. Let's get back to this movie, though. Yes, let's let's do it. <laughs> we get time. I am going to... So let's talk about what happens in the movie. I am going to ask for a little leeway on the 30 seconds because it's just too much happens in here to, to get it in 30 seconds so i'm going to break the rules as a one time you know this is coming out in december so uh christmas gift to get an extra few seconds from you ready do you have a song for this you know what rick i do and right. because peter jackson just put out the fantastic documentary get back about the beatles that i'm going to yeah, watch again and again and again so and again i'm going to play I want you. She's so heavy off of Abbey Road. We are going to carry that weight. So let's do it. All right. Three. Just like Frodo carries the weight of the ring. I mean, Sam does. Three, 
<laughs> Two, one, go. The journey to save Middle-earth from Sauron ends. While the Dark Lord's attention is on Gondor and Aragorn, the man who wields the blade that cut the ring from his hand, Frodo and Sam continue their journey towards Mordor. Mordor's forces bear down in Minas Tirith, but the combined strength of Gondor and Rohan are able to repel them for a time, suffering heavy losses. Frodo is betrayed by Gollum and paralyzed by Shelob, a giant spider. Luckily, Sam saves him. The remaining force of men storms the Black Gate of Mordor, giving the hobbits enough time to climb to the fires of Mount Doom. The ring is destroyed after a struggle with Gollum. Gandalf rescues Frodo and Sam from the side of the mountain, and they are reunited with the Fellowship. Aragorn takes the throne. Frodo leaves Middle-earth for the shores of the Undying Lands, where his wounds can finally heal. Sam lives on happily with his family. 50 seconds. Yeah, and, and I needed it, other than me <laughs> stumbling over my words. <laughs> yeah, good job. I mean, that it's, sums it up pretty well, but there's a lot of details. There's too much. We could Obviously, we're going to be here for quite some time Yes, talking about this movie. So let's get to what we liked and our favorite three scenes. This, There are so many scenes that I love in this movie. It really is real. This one specifically was really hard. This one. Yes. So, Joe, let's start with you. What is your number three favorite scene? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I wish I had this list of questions before we started. I could really. Did you not give him the goddamn list again, Derek? I, I just assumed he knew. <laughs> no. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I always, I always will correct this later on. Uh, one of my favorite scenes from this movie is probably um, the events of the actual um, fighting Shelob. Um, mm. I think it really comes across like you're watching a play. Frodo, you know, Frodo gets like meets, you know, finds himself, finds himself in Shelob's lair. He gets stabbed by her, her stinger. Sam comes to somewhat of the rescue, fights her off, which is insane. It's one of the best Sam moments of the entire trilogy wounds Shelob, she runs away immediately the orcs come in and he hides and the orcs take frodo it feels very much like you're in an audience watching a play the way that it pans out and i just think that um it's one of sam's greatest and defining defining moments as the as the hero i think he's the real hero of oh, this story no and doubt J.R. no Tolkien doubt with you yeah, yeah. No doubt. so that's my that's one of my favorites i was probably my favorite and then i'll have to think of the other two so i guess it's not number three but that's well, the one i can think of right sure now. derek what do you get what's your three so this is the one and again i am so in love with these movies that i'm literally picking scenes that no one's going to pick because okay. i could sit here and say polonor fields and this and that and the ring being destroyed but there are just moments that like really hurt me and one of them was when frodo tells sam to go home and Sam is so unbelievably crushed, knowing that it's not his fault. He's doing everything he can to, like, you know, to save Frodo's life, to make sure he's happy. Gollum is fucking everything up. Sam, you know, Gollum's like, oh, look at these crumbs in your shirt. Oh, you ate the food. And Sam's like bawling his eyes out. Like, how can you possibly believe this asshole? And Frodo's like, no, no, it's you, Sam. Go home. Sam like falls to the ground it covers his face and cries and i want to like go and hug him because it's like this guy has done so much for frodo and like i can't believe that it comes to this and and even so like you know sam he still gets back up he climbs the st stairs again and he fucking saves frodo again leading into joe's one of joe's favorite scenes which is the shelob scene and it's like 
man, like he got shit on by Frodo and he still comes back and saves his life. It's like, for God's sake, if Sam's not one of your favorite characters, did you even watch the movies? <laughs> like yeah. he's incredible. Um, but every time Frodo says go home, his like the, the look in Sean Astin's face is like, oh man, like he's just, it's such an emotional scene. It's like, they've gone through so much. And he's like, Frodo's like, listen, Sam, fuck off, go back to the Shire. He's like, are you kidding? Like number, number, not, not even just like go home. Like we've gotten this far. You want me to start walking home now? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Um, but yeah, it's an incredible scene. And that's my, that's my three. So I'm going to say the, the number three scene for this is maybe the hardest decision I've made for the show. My one and two, I flip flop the order of them a couple of times, but they were like, those are my top two scenes. One or another three could have been any number of scenes in this. But I went with the Braveheart style speech that Aragorn gives at the Black Gates. This movie is all about speeches. It's all about speeches. Yep. And all it has to say is like, I'm going to fucking follow this guy. Literally, you understand? It's like, I'm going to follow this guy into the gates of hell. Because he's just, and and it's not like a complex speech. He's just like, listen, one day we're going to lose. But not fucking today. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> what do we say to the, you know, and Game of Thrones? Yeah. What Game do we Thrones, say to David? What do we say to the God of Death? Yeah, not today. Not today. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all it is. And it's just like, do it. And it's, I, I mean, obviously it comes right after the mouth of Sauron in the, uh, in the extended version where he believes <laughs> Frodo is. Uh, he was uh, a Numenorian that joined Sauron. Um, like a long time ago and then he got basically turned into what he looks like he was just yeah. a regular man before and then he corrupted the way Morgoth corrupted the elves to become the orcs um, Sauron corrupted the black Numenorians to look the way that guy looks yeah so, like, maybe just him but we talk maybe about we'll see that in the Amazon show can we talk about how Aragorn lops his head off and there's just no blood at all yeah <laughs> It's perfect because it's, I mean, this is, these films are relatively bloodless for the amount of violence in them. Right. That's a criticism. It's a fair Cut criticism that. where it's like, that scene make it mean movie. something, but yeah. I'm right. just playing the movie while I'm watching this. <laughs> I think you did that last time as well. It's yeah, a good I idea. It's not a bad movie. idea because you, you get the feels while you're doing yeah. it. Yeah. And anything I miss out on, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is my favorite part. Yeah. Again, why so, I picked my part was, and I said this on one of the other episodes, but it's the coolest thing. There's a 40 year writing tie-in by Tolkien. So he literally created the trees of light. I wrote this down now when he was in his twenties. He created the trees of light that gave light to middle earth um, for the sun and the stars. Um, And Ungoliant who came from, we don't know where came from the void wasn't created by any like Melkor or Sauron or anything like that. Um, teams up with Morgoth, Melkor, um, teams up with him and drains the light from the trees and from the trees and this, this basically the, what become the Silmarils. And that's what's in the light of Galadriel. So, um, and Shelob, I know I'm saying this like completely not organized, unorganized, but, um, basically giant spider alien thing. We don't know what it is. Steals the light of the world. One of the, probably the strongest bad, bad, like bad guy in middle earth ever. Yeah, once Has once she it, yeah, Ungoliant yeah. eats the trees and has yeah. like the power of the light of the world inside of it. 
basically sucks the light from like yeah. the, the sun and even the even morgoth who is like the strongest of the gods beyond like the creator god basically the devil yeah is like i am fucking terrified of this creature yeah like it yeah like i, I know this is my fault but but he still wanted to take over the world with this this it's not a, they're not actually spiders she loves not actually a spider but like they look like a spider they don't want anything to do with that they don't they like power but they're not commanding armies that's just not what their mo is but uh, anyway so giant baddest scariest strongest thing that's ever existed in middle earth to, on record um has offspring that's what shelob is is a great 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 like descendant of ungoliant and then the same thing like the same um energy that ungoliant steals is what actually repels shelob and what's sam's holding in his hand to like blind her as right before he he like stabs her or cuts off her stinger or whatever that's 40 years he was 20 years old when he wrote the like in his 20s when he wrote the 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 stealing of the light and all that stuff like the early early middle earth stuff with ungolian and uh, morgoth and then 40 years later wrote that part which was actually i believe in the two towers not in return of the yes. King books um which is insane i think it's one of i i don't think there's a literary tie-in i don't even think it's like stephen king has something like that no uh, he, i think that's he, like does. The, he, like, he does he like just he's the, the dark tower like yeah so he, he had him. a he had a book he wrote and then he like and like his first book yep but he was like this doesn't quite like, I don't know what quite to do with this. So we put it away. It's actually, he describes it as his Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Like, well, I know that the Dark Tower is like yeah. um, Clint Eastwood Westerns mixed it's, with. Yes. With Lord of the Rings. Rings. That's and, basically what it is. But he wrote the it, first book, put it down. This was like 1975. Put it down. The series finished in 2004. And then he had like another one that takes place in the middle of it come out in like 2015. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that's still insane. And he's known as like the greatest of all time. But yeah. So, and last thing I don't want to digress, but it, the spider and it, the, the, how the, the, the deadlights and how you never know its true form is basically, um, Stephen King has said in an interview, it's basically like Ungoliant, like straight yeah. out of Lord of the Rings. Like the light of the trees is the, is basically like the deadlights. Mongolian coming from out of nowhere and just like appearing from like basically outer space, kind of what Tolkien was kind of hinting at with Mongolian. Um, and then the spider form as well. So it's kind of a ripoff of of Tolkien, which is it's crazy. a loving tribute. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like also so, a clown. So, so Joe, crazy. do you have another scene you want to talk about? Gandalf explaining um what happens when you die he says yeah. the world rolls back and it all turns to silver glass and then you see it um white shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise i think that's the 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 greatest thing written put into this movie word for yeah. word if not one of like the top three and there's like grand and like the cave trolls are like banging on the door while he's telling it and the music changes and you're like oh only peter jackson could do something like this <laughs> yeah 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 Derek, I, would, I think just have, saying what? like the world rolls back and it turns to silver glass is <laughs> drop the mic like yeah right right tolkien wrote that clearly he wrote that 
not Peter Jackson, um, even though some of Peter Jackson's dialogue that he put in is amazing. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's Tolkien incarnate. That's 10 out yeah. of 10. Derek, what do you have for number two? So this was really hard. I flip-flopped my one and two like a thousand times. And I, I literally just wrote down with my pen. I didn't look. I just said, one of them's one and one of them's two. I don't care. So they landed where they landed. Uh, my number two ended up being the Roharam March when they come to the Pelennor fields and Theoden's, you know, speech. And when he points his sword down the field and they start riding, it's like so unbelievably emotional. It might be one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Like just yeah. remember seeing it at the movies, like at midnight. And when that happened, I was like looking around next to me and I was like, I wanted to just be like, does anybody feel that right now? That yeah. was un like just, and then, and of course, they're riding and then, you know, the cinematography of the camera, like showing the, showing the riders like overhead, just yeah. trample the orcs was incredible too. But it's that just emotional march. And it's like, you, it's a callback to like Denethor's like, Rohan's abandoned us. And it's like, give them a break. They're gathering more troops for you, asshole. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, it's just so um, amazing. And uh, it could have easily been my number one. I, I had a flip. Yeah. I, I got I to, that's kind of exactly how I felt. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we're probably the same number one as well, but there's my number yeah. two as well. Okay. Uh, the ride of the Rohirrim, the last ride of the Rohirrim. Uh, it's such a beautiful scene. And we talked last week in our Sorcerer's Stone episode about uh, the scene where, you know, I think it ended up being our number one scene or at least it was mine, the scene where they arrive at Hogwarts and John Williams just goes like, I've got this shit and takes and like just overwhelms you with music. Howard Shore does the same thing here. And the, the, theme, the Rohan theme just overwhelms you. And like the, with the visuals and you see it's like, you know they're riding to their doom. Yeah. Like this is, they're not going to come and wipe out the entire army of Mordor. Right. And they ride anyway because it's the right thing to do. And it's so beautiful. And it's, you know, it, there are certain scenes that are different, you know, as with anything, you know, any adaptation there are certain scenes that play out differently than you saw it in your head. The, this, as well as the battle in a Pelennor field in general was like plucked from my head, just the way it looked, the colors, yep. everything was just like, this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Right. But it's just, it's a great scene. Yeah. So Joe, do you have a, do you have a favorite scene? Salted pork. <laughs> that's my favorite scene uh when they show up to isengard and um pippin's like um you know we've, we're just enjoying a victory enjoying a few well-earned comforts there's something about a fantasy an epic fantasy when you can just relax for a little bit um and just enjoy the victory the small victories or big victories when they break away from all of the high anxiety do or die moments um that make fantasy and make lord of the rings so great yeah. i think especially in the books there's a lot of this in the books where they take a break they're just talking everything's laid back there's a big overwhelming feeling of safety and security right. 
Well, it, I mean, it, it goes back to Tolkien conceived of the stories when he was in the trenches in World War I. Yeah. And that's, that's what the story is. It's those little moments where he's talking with his comrades. Yep. And when I first watched this, I really thought that Longbottom Leaf was weed, but it's not. It's tobacco. Um, you know what? You can say that, but in my heart. <laughs> in your it's heart, weed. it's weed. That's, that's why all the stoners gravitated towards these books in the 60s and 70s, because it was yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's weed. I, I, I'm fully on board with, um, with, with staying open-ended, but I'm pretty Death sure of the author, letters, it's weed. in the Tolkien letters, <laughs> he, he definitely, I think that's where I saw it. Um, or no, I, I listened to a podcast. I was talking about, um, like getting to the bottom of it. It is the bottom of long bottom leaf. It is tobacco. It is tobacco. Um, but crazy part, um, crazy moment is instead of the scourging of the Shire, um, and having Sharky, aka yep. Sauron's like alias when he goes to the Shire and like destroys most of it and in, in, enslaves a bunch of the hobbits and instead of him dying there and getting stabbed in the back there he gets stabbed in the back on top of Isengard and he during the filming of that I'm sure you guys might know but during the filming Peter Jackson wanted him to react to the stabbing a certain way <laughs> and crazy enough um, what's his name that plays? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Lee that plays Saruman was like, well, this is what happens. You know, if I, maybe he knew it from experience, but he's like, when you stab someone, they they lose breath because you puncture their lung. So he accurately reacts to getting stabbed in the back, which is so gross when you know that and you watch the scene. There's definitely some scenes in this movie where Tolkien would have disagreed with, and that's one of them. And then yeah. um the Smeagol strangling of Deagle, the very beginning, Tolkien. That's why the Tolkien estate hates this movie. It is, it does, you know, these things, some of these things happen in the book, but to make them so gruesome or so dark is like not what the, tol what the books are about, which is where Peter Jackson comes in with his right. creativity. And that's what the American audience wants to see. They want to see things like that. But Tolkien's not about that at all. And I can see why some of the, Tolkien Estate did not like these movies. I yeah. love these movies, but I mean, I think I think we talked about it in the in our fellowship episode, mm -hmm. where it, Peter Jackson's sensibilities really, if you look at his work before this movie, it makes no sense that he would get Lord of the Rings as a job, right? But that's where he comes in. He brings a little bit more violence. He brings a little bit more like grittiness and it's it's a i mean obviously it works it's a perfect marriage so derek which number one there's only one number one scene in this movie and i think you and i are on the same page yeah. here rick um there's only one scene that could trump the rohira march and that is when pippin sings that song Ooh, different so different than what i had but oh yeah, wow okay for me it's like that is the most tokian thing i've seen Besides, oh, yeah. the besides the beginning of the Two Towers, when you see the Balrog and Gandalf fall in the distance, and there's just flame. Besides that moment, I feel like Pippin singing when Faramir and the Gondorian soldiers are, are riding is one of the most beautiful, heart-wrenching scenes in any movie you can see. I, I, I really can't think of a scene that, that's, that's bigger than that. Um, it, it just captures the emotion, the, the sadness. Um, and as we know, Billy Boyd said, to Peter Jackson, listen, I kind of like transcribed the lyrics or whatever, and I made my own melody to these words that Tolkien wrote. And Peter Jackson's like, don't sing it for me. Just let's just film it. Let's just film it. I don't even want to hear it. And he filmed it. And that was the first take. 
And it, I mean, how, how you can't write anything better than that. That is incredible. And not to mention John Noble's Denethor when he bites that fucking tomato and it just drips down oh. his mouth. It's mm-hmm. like, it, it's the mixture of like, sadness depression war greed all this like beautiful circle of like here's life in this one scene and it's just breathtaking so that's my number one so my number one to me with a bullet is like the last five minutes of the movie and when they get to the ships and they have to say goodbye that's so sad it's so, it's sad in a way, you know, Gandalf says it best, you know, I will not say do not cry, for not all tears are evil. Me and I'm like, you're right, Gandalf, you're absolutely right. Because, you know, these movies came out when, you know, what, 2001 through 13, 14, 15 for me, it couldn't have come out of the better time for me. I'd gone on this journey with these characters. And to say goodbye to them and just have that cathartic, like, tear drop down my face, roll down my face. And then to see Sam just go back and it's just like, we did this so I could have this. I could have my life. And it's it's such a beautiful scene. This movie, along with the scene you mentioned, Joe, of Gandalf describing the afterlife to Pippin. Yeah on two separate occasion makes me feel okay with my own death. Which is like, yeah. And like, what more can you ask of a movie than to be like, it's all going to be all right in the end. So Rick, whatever. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So I'm not taking away anything you said about this scene because you're a hundred percent right. I do have one problem with this scene. Okay. And that is that seriously though, could Frodo have just told Sam a little bit before that? Like, listen, I'm going to be doing this. Like the same has no time to say goodbye to Frodo. And it's he like, wouldn't have had the strength. And I don't think either of them. I don't Frodo, think Sam I mean, let's face gone. it. Frodo doesn't have strength throughout the entire movie. Sam has all the strength. Frodo but has all the strength. Sam, Sam Frodo is 90. 90- all the strength, but he just, he's had the ring longer. And yeah. even look at um, hobbits are the best to deal with what the ring does out of any being yeah. in middle earth. And look what happened with Gollum. Like he, Smeagol was a hobbit. He's more of a country version of a hobbit, kind of in between hobbits and men, but more on the hobbit side. And it completely changed him, completely mangled him and changed him into a whole different creature. Frodo's going through that slowly to become a wraith. Here's how impressive that Sam carried the ring for like two hours. And like the gods were like, you're into heaven immediately. Like you earned it, buddy. And Frodo carried the ring for like years and didn't yeah. lose himself. No, I, I, so, give, I give props to Frodo. I'm just saying he could have told Sam a little before that. He just dropped the ball at the end. That's all Frodo did. He still ran. He still, he, he still like ran the game. Like he, he's the MVP of the game. And then at the buzzer, Drop the ball, but like, you know, in Sam's brain, it could have been like, "Well, this is really sad. Gandalf's leaving. The elves are leaving. But at least I get have I get to have a an ale with Frodo tonight." And Frodo's like, "No, no, no, no. I'm I'm leaving <laughs> right now." <laughs> like, what? Fuck you, man. If my best friends did that, I'd be like, "Dude, what, you know you, why I just, they leave? Do you know why like the elves were leaving and all of that? It's because 
um, magic was dissipating from the world and they're connected to the world. So they would have died eventually anyway. So what they're doing is leaving and basically going into heaven, even though their physical forms are going there as well. Um, but they're going to heaven or the afterlife of middle earth, which is a physical place. Like you could just be like, Hey, you know, heaven's in as the new Numenorians found out, you don't want to go there uh, unless you're invited, but yeah, for <laughs> sure. And, uh, and um yeah so the fact that hobbits got to go like i think gandalf would have went no matter what what's really cool that's where gandalf is from. It makes you feel yeah. like gandalf knows what's going to happen and how it's going to play out because he's got basically the closest line uh to iluvatar who's basically god of middle earth um he's got the closest like connection to him of anyone because he's the white wizard there's a lot of moments in the book where they make you feel like this can go any way and then tolkien actually wrote a little bit of what would happen if it went the other way and how it would have transpired so there was it's definitely a book that makes similar to game of thrones where it makes you feel like anything can happen even if you've read it a 50 times while you're reading it anything can happen um it may not go the way you think it's going to go which is the, incredible i mean the silmarillion is not an easy read no but it is once you crack it it's so rewarding when you read lord of the rings and watch these movies and understand I I've it, but i've gained i've got enough things yeah that once it once it falls into place for you it's like oh like the elves it's i mean magic is leaving the world but yeah they're being called home they're being allowed home after this betrayal of feanor another um, reason why magic's leaving the world is because middle earth is supposed to be our earth yes and then this was supposed to be like a, almost like a history almost like ink to give england a kind of mythology yeah um and it also ties in why we don't see magical creatures now because they yeah. all left and now you don't need proof because well, they all left before <laughs> before we move on to the next thing i just want to say this real quick because i don't think i have said it yet in any of the three episodes we've done together there is a game on xbox 360 it's called lord of the rings conquest and at the end of each level, you can be like, oh, do you want to be Gandalf? Do you want to be Aragorn? You get to be like one of the mean people and just shred and kill orcs. That's the regular game. You get to be the good guys or you get to be the bad guys. And at the end, they ask you, do you want to be the Witch King? And you can shred. At the end of the scoring of this, I'm sorry, the scouring of the Shire, you are an, an Orokai killing hobbits left and right and at the very end it says do you want to be the balrog or do you want to be sauron <laughs> and i pick sauron and you just walk slowly with your thing and i just wail on hobbits and it is the greatest feeling i've ever had in a video game that's all i have to say fair enough so I on that wrong. note <laughs> i always go uh, with nintendo and i'm always wrong <laughs> let's uh let's go to our least favorite part of the movie and i've got a couple i got a couple things too yeah so joe as our guest what is there anything that you be it get as nitpicky as you want is there anything that doesn't work for you for this movie yeah um the cgi of the witch king the wings going over the sea after the fell beast is decapitated it's the worst cgi in the whole movie and every time i see it i cry it's so bad and i wish they would just fix it it's it's like star wars when han solo walks over when they try to fix han solo walking behind um job of the hut 
and they have they, to and they awkwardly cut and paste him and he just like, ooh, doo, 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 like so have you seen the original go on a brief star wars tangent that scene but the original job of the hut before it was a giant slug monster was just like an irish guy yeah I've seen, and, yeah, a few. Yeah. Well, and literally, it's like, yeah, because Harrison Ford in his performance just walks around the back of this guy, but they have yep. to like make it so he steps on Jabba's tail and he goes, yeah, fucking special editions. Yeah, there's a golden edition of Star Wars of the three, and it's illegal, but I found it on Reddit and someone is selling physical copies of it, but they basically took the best of all the versions of Star Wars and got rid of as much of the cringiness from the original three and i'm pretty sure they kept the blood spatter in the first one because when lasers hit people they were had not blood but it is red you can see like yeah. blood um and that was the first thing lucas took out of the films because he wanted him to be kid friendly but if you look up golden version like star wars golden edition if you if you do some research you'll find it um I've, hopefully it's still available online. i've, I've still got my dvds on. with the theatrical version so i am just happy as can be with that yeah but um yeah i mean things i would change um what i would what i want what we didn't get but we got the best version of lord of the rings on film we did yeah this is the only way it could have been better if it was less hollywood it was more to what the books are and it was not a movie it wasn't a trilogy it was a television series and it was directed by I don't know how many television series are directed by one person, but kept with the same vision. The, yeah, I mean, like um, the first season of oh, it was a show on HBO with had Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. Um, true Detective. Detective. First yeah. season of True Detective. Season one's the best. I think that's oh, yeah, the best. It's, not even, it's not even close, yeah. Every episode was written by Nick Pizzolatto, I think his name is, and every episode was directed by Carrie Fukunaga. But I think the story was kind of stolen. I heard a rumor that it was stolen from someone else. Um, the original like plot and everything, and they they had a lot. Well, even so, it's it's directed by the all yeah. by Fukunaga, so it's like it's a cohesive vision. The ending of season one fell apart for me, but it's still a great season. I like the ending of season one, even. Though I, even I like it. It's, it's just it's just too straightforward. Like I, I just wanted a twist, and I didn't get it. Well, no, that's you, the, you don't always get Shyamalan. You don't always get <laughs> Shyamalan. Well, that's, I, th I think the scene where McConaughey and Harrelson are talking to each other, and it's just like, we got our guy. That's all we can do. And they're looking at the sky, and it's like, oh, it used to be all dark. Like, that's what I took from that. Right, Where right, it's right. just like, yeah, you want him to go in and fucking bust this pedophile ring and arrest everybody. And it's just like, that's just not in the cards. Right. But anyway, the, uh, the, yeah, the biggest thing I would change is some of the CGI and I wish they would George Lucas it and fix it up and put money into making it perfect, especially yeah. now that someone else is doing Lord of the Rings. Why not fix it up and then re-release it, not just make it higher quality, like visually like 4k or each, every time they try to up it. So you see more details, but just go into the bad CGI and fix it. Just fix yeah. it. Um, and deal with people being mad, whatever. Yeah. Deal, let them be mad and move on. The funniest scene, I, I don't want to miss this. I know it's a separate subject. The funniest moment of the entire movie. I wrote it down. Um, where is it? Where is it? Oh man. Sam says something like he, he's, he's arguing with, he's fighting with uh, Gollum and he says something about, he's going to like, he's going to pan him or hit him with a, 
he's going to stove him. He said he's going to stove his head in. <laughs> is it? He, yeah. And then it, it find this scene. Okay. Sam says, I'll stove your head in. Call me a liar. You're a liar. Gollum screams. There's a scene they just, I wish I could just pull it up, but it would take way too long. But there's a scene where they put the camera right on Gollum's face and he just goes, ah! Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like behind a small tree, a skinny tree, and he's yeah. like, ah! Yeah. He just goes, ah! <laughs> and it's the same like hilarious moment that happens in E.T. when Elliot like opens the bushes or opens like the grass, the tall grass, and has his camera right on, I mean, his, um, his flashlight right on E.T.'s face and he just screams and Elliot screams back. They have a moment with Gollum here. And if you really watch that scene, I think it's the funniest moment of all three movies. Funnier than, and I don't even think it's trying, it wasn't even trying to do it intentionally be the funniest scene, but I really think it's the funniest moment of all three movies. I, I die laughing. I cannot laugh when I see it. Derek, what do you have for uh, least favorite? Okay, so I got a few things. So I think the worst scene in the movie, and I think I don't think it's Billy Boyd's fault. It's funny. I think that he has the worst scene in the movie and the best scene in the movie, but it's the Palantir scene, and he's holding the Palantir up on his feet and he's standing up, and he's like, ah! And just the way he's moving, it just doesn't look good to me. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, I didn't like that. I just didn't like that at all. And then I remember going on IMDb and like reading reviews, and somebody was like. I wish they would just cut that scene because it was just such a badly shot scene with Billy Boyd. And I was like, oh, it's funny. Somebody else thinks that too. But if they had just kept him on the, the ground or something like that, maybe he, maybe his reaction wasn't like, ow, ow, I'm hurting. Maybe it could have been like, he's in a daze. That could have been a little bit more interesting. Like Sauron has control of his brain. Not like, I'm hurting you physically. Um, I thought it was a little cheesy. It wasn't the best acting. Not my favorite scene. Uh, next, yeah. next thing. Oh, you guys said. I, I was going to say, just like to... Some of the stuff I, I, I don't like just to, to go on that, like the physicality. I, I understand like the concept of Sauron is tough to portray in a movie, mm-hmm. but it's like the eye being a literal spotlight Hate later it. on in the movie is like, okay, like, right. It's, it it's meant to be standing. a bit more metaphorical than that. Right, like. right, right, it's right, right. It's supposed to be him standing in that fireball and he is the actual center of the eye. And that what the middle of the eye is, is his physical, like a shape of his body with like the armor on. Right. That's what I think Peter Jackson was kind of going for. And then it became more of just like an eyeball. Yeah. In the books, it's a physical form. In the books, he's in the armor. It's just, he just stays where he is. He doesn't go anywhere. And I think the problem with that is showing... I think the biggest letdown of the movie is that you don't have this really scary moment with Sauron in his black armor and it's in a dark setting. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's another one of mine that I have, yeah. You give the black armor, make a deep, deep voice or maybe no voice at all and it's just he's talking in your head and it's whispering, but you need to have that, that, that <clears throat> shape because that, that, that costume's great but you cannot show it in daylight. It's like Batman fighting in daylight. It doesn't work. And I think that if you had that armor in a dark scene, dark setting in the tower or anything like that, it would work. And I think um, they could have done that easily with the Palantiri scene um, in, inside, um, inside the Hobbit's head when he's, holding, when he's holding it. I think they could have gone to a scene like that. I, think what, you're des- I think what you're describing and it, it's... Um these movies obviously have a ton of issues, but I think 
the revelation of Sauron to Gandalf in the, one of the Hobbit movies. Oh, when they fight. Um, yeah, yeah, when, they when they're at Dolgador. Yep, and he's just like, fine. He's like, I'm fucking Sauron. And Gandalf was just overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah, I, I loved it. I actually really, that's yeah. my favorite scene from the uh, Marvel yeah. Derek, you have more. Uh, I have more. Yeah. So yeah. my next thing that I want to mention is that I don't like when directors try to like. I know directors sometimes they think that like the audience is stupid, so they're like, well, just in case you didn't remember. And there was a, a scene where like Smeagol's talking about he's talking with Gollum and he's like, "You're a murderer" or whatever. I forget what spot it is specifically, but it flashes back to Smeagol killing Daigle. I'm like. We already saw that in the beginning of the movie. We know that Smeagol is Gollum. It's very clear to us. You don't so have to go that, back and do that. It's I'm yeah. not I'm not an idiot. Like I don't I hate when directors do that. Yeah, I I wonder how much of that is like that scene was not meant to open Return of the King. Mm. It was supposed to be in Two Towers. Right, right. I think I remember reading something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be the the scene where they see the the Nazgul flying for the first time. That's right. like Frodo says, like, oh, you used to be a hobbit once. And then you're supposed to flash back to that. That would have been great. Yeah. Um, but uh, a couple more things. Um, Gandalf's powers. He doesn't really do a whole lot to help. I know it's like, and I know a lot of Tolkien people be like, well, Gandalf's not supposed to like really get involved or whatever. He's supposed to just kind of guide them. But like he could have saved a lot of fucking lives with his power. And he really doesn't do a whole lot of anything, but just kind of stand around and just sit around and be like, well, we're fucked. Um, and I, I don't, it's, you really can't explain that, you know, there's not a good answer to that. It's just, you know, Gandalf should have kicked some ass. He should have been like all over the place and like zapping people and making force fields and shit. And he doesn't. So it's like, yeah, I was sent back to help, but I don't do anything. So, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think he was like, I'm there to fight the witch King and the witch King just fucking steamrolls him. Yeah. And I it's mean, it's like, oh no. Right. Uh, my last thing is. I, I, I get that this is based on the books and I get all these things. I get the way it's supposed to be, but for God's sake, you just need, for me, you need Aragorn versus Aragorn versus Sauron. You just, the original script, I think really called for Aragorn having a showdown with Sauron and having an epic fucking fight. Oh, awesome. And you just, I mean, in Return of the King, like in and, a dark setting. Not yeah, in the daylight. Well, you know, he was so the the troll that Aragorn fights at the end. Well, so yeah, yeah, he was originally Sauron. Yeah, Sauron. yeah. yeah they, they originally had the fight and everything, and I'd love to see the footage of that, oh, you know, real footage. But it just needs it. You know what I mean? It's not big enough. I want it to be bigger. And Sauron, you know, all we get to see of him is in the beginning of Fellowship, and he's so badass. He's like three feet, four feet tall than everybody else, and he's just whipping people. And I'm like, I gotta see this, you know, and. He, Jackson cuts some of the biggest moments. He cuts the mouth of Sauron. He cuts Saruman's death, and there's no Sauron. And I get it; he's being faithful to the books. But like, come on, man! He's he, Christopher he, Lee stranded. Like, oh, Christopher Lee! Character. Christopher Lee was a little bit more yeah. than angry at Peter Jackson yeah. for cutting his scene. And just, um, just what happened to him? Who knows? Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. like, oh, uh, Tree Bird's like the filth he's of grounded. Saruman is yeah. washing away, and that's it. It's like stupid. Oh. Another tie-in, another literary tie-in. Think of this. Okay, so Gandalf, spoiler alert, uh, Gandalf, um, you know, dies fighting the Balrog, dies Gandalf the Grey, and then is revealed slowly in the book, like, as Gandalf the White, where you're so sure it might be Saruman that the, that the, that the company is, is running into mm. in this one scene. They do, and then, and that's, that's Gandalf, so 
With Saruman, you have the same reveal of a, of a different kind. It's a parallel reveal. Sharky in, this, in the scourging of the Shire, he's revealed to not be Sharky, but who the hell is the Sharky character? It ends up being um, Saruman. So I think that's cool that they took both wizards who are almost parallel with each other um, and very tightly connected. And they had, a, and Tolkien literally wrote this like reveal of, oh, it's not who you think it is. And I, I think that's, you know, he took so many years writing these, writing this book um, that he was able to like master that. And I'm sure right. there's a million other parallels, but it's, it's cool to notice the parallels because you don't, after reading something the first time, yeah. I think it takes many reads to like find them. I wish that someone would just list them all off because I know there's a ton in there. Right. Derek, anything else? That's my last thing. So okay. you, you're up. I've got two. I mean, the, the Legolas killing the fucking Muma kill. It, it looks dumb. It look it's like it's way too over the top. It's like th- <laughs> That's there's some like favorite scene. I know, I, seriously. Oh, I, it so not, not so much mine. him like running up and like shooting people in the air. It's just like him fucking surfing down the trunk. He's like, all right, enough. He's my least favorite character in the movie. I know. I remember last time you were like, fuck Orlando Bloom. <laughs> and I, just, I will it's, say, it's the, like, I feel like like how they switched who was going to play Aragon at the last minute. I kind of wish they did that with Orlando Bloom. Yeah, and I think um, the adaptation of Denethor as a character is borderline malpractice to that character like he is so much a better character in the book than he is in the movie i wonder if we have the same recast for him rick maybe is it a guy i've used before i think we've used him before i'm not sure if he was either one of us but i think he has been used before yeah he's the most he's up there with joffrey on the level of hate (laughs) you really hate him he's see to me in in the books he's like a guy doing the best he can and then when he believes Faramir to be dead, he just snaps. Whereas in the movie, it's very much like, even if in the book, like you disagree with some of the stuff he does, he's, he's doing it from a position of like, he has a palantir in the books. He's doing it from like a, his own position. Whereas in the movies, it's just like, he's a fucking cowardly piece of shit from frame one. He's just a, he's just a shitty leader. Yeah. yeah, he just sucks. Why would anyone follow this guy ever? Why would his sons even care what he thinks? He sucks so much. He's definitely in the but, top 10 worst dads ever. Yeah, he's, he's not great. According to Fire Bear, especially. He's like his favorite in the deleted two tower scene or in the extended two tower scene. He's like, oh, this fucking guy. I know. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's really the only thing to, to a head. guy with his mouth open. Yeah. He's not even like pleasant to be around. How did this guy rise to power yeah it's bullshit farmer's walking uh, away well, to go farmer's go, walking away to his death I think, and it's Den- I think it's believable that he rose to power because he's because he sucks some people in power well wasn't sad. he wasn't he like born into it his father Ectelion was like him yeah. to it before him. he just was born into that so like i don't think he would have been voted in <laughs> i mean is it i mean granted him eating the fucking tomatoes like you know if you had donald trump there eating fucking mcnuggets or whatever it's like <sighs> sing me a song uh, everything pippin says trump's just like wrong wrong <laughs> nope wrong <laughs> but 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 uh <laughs> steward trump we could we could win this no wrong nope. tell the troops to leave <laughs> there's no hope fuck rohan <laughs> i mean the, the only the only thing that doesn't work is like he would have to care about one of his sons uh, but let's go to metals uh Joe, did Derek, or did you remember that we we give out medals or top uh, or let bronze? Me go, you guys, let me do my medal after you guys. This okay. Time. Okay. All right. Derek, who do you have for bronze? My bronze goes to the great Howard Shore. 
Mm-hmm. Um, his music is just incredible. His music is on the same level, I think, as John Williams and Harry Potter. Yeah. They're just both fantastic scores. It's just so much more emotional when he puts his touch on it. There's just not much more I can say, but uh, there's a few scenes in the movie where you're like, just like you said, Rick, when he cracks his knuckles and he's like, I got the Rohara marching. Yep. You know, I've got this. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've got Frodo and Sam on the, f- the, you know, fiery rocks waiting for the eagles to pick them up. I got this shit. Yep. You know, always e- eagles. eagles always coming to the, the that's a, that, that's the Tolkien way. Like, everybody, everybody's fucked. No, they're not. Here come the eagles. Um, but you know, there is that uh, that moment uh, that I love. The callback is when number one is maybe the goofiest scene in the movie when Frodo's in bed and he sees Gandalf and he's oh, like Gandalf. Yeah, and then he's like Gimli. It's so cheesy. Everybody oh, walks in. The meme where it's like. He forgot Legolas's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't say anything when Legolas comes in. He's like, uh, uh. When they all enter the room, Aragorn's the lower, or Sam comes in, and then it's like, it's the fellowship theme again. Like, it's like, oh, when he does that callback, you're like, oh. But yeah, Shore's my uh, my bronze. Yeah, mine, mine too. Um, yeah, it, like everything you said, like it's, it is like pound for pound. I mean, the whole trilogy, the music is just gorgeous. And it's, you, I can't find a single fault with the music in this movie. Yep. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Do you, uh, Joe, did you have, did you want to go in order? Or did you want to? I'm going to say a... so. Music makes a movie. I think the music makes Star Wars. I think the music here makes Lord of the Rings. I think this movie would not be an A plus without the music. I think it would be in the B category for a lot of people. Um, I'm not going to put it at bronze. I'm going to probably put it at silver. My bronze goes to building miniatures and yeah. putting them on mountains and Weta, showing yeah. you the mountains, the real mountains in the background. Some of the, the tricks that they use, the studio used were just so perfect. And what you want so many movies to do that don't. So that's, I don't know, that might be my goal actually, but that's one of the three that gets the first medal for sure. Yeah. Derek? Yeah, for silver. John Aston. Um, he is the heart of the movie, you know. Yeah. He's it's just it's really for me, it's about the amount of again, it's just a story, but it things like this translate into real life. Like when you have somebody like him who's like just so loyal and and kind and wants to do the good thing, he's just an all-around greatly written character. And you know, just just a moment. And again, Howard Shore and Sean Astin, they they work their magic right here is when they're on the bottom of the mountain and Sean Astin's like, you know, Sam's like, can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. And he fucking picks up Frodo. It's like one of the most triumphant scenes that I've ever seen in a movie. And Howard Shore, like, again, cracks his knuckles. He's like, I got this shit on lockdown. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. And like, you know. I, I'm glad that Sam gets what he gets at the end. You know, he gets he gets the family, he gets the girl, he becomes like the mayor of the Shire and the books and stuff like that. And he he gets the book from Frodo and like he's he's the guy now, you know, back in the Shire. He's the man. He and he deserves it. Brought you through the Goonies. I think the Goonies <laughs> and him adds You so- think Sam wrote the Goonies? No, no, no. Just <laughs> just the fact that Sean Astin was one of the best aspects of the Goonies. I think him as Sam, because of that movie existing and you seeing him in that movie, when you see him as Sam in The Lord of the Rings, it just builds this foundation of trust just in the actor's face where you're just so 
ready to go on this fucking adventure because you've already been yeah. on an adventure that was perfect let me yeah actor. let me ask you guys a question i think we may have touched on this in fellowship but do you guys remember that joke it's supposed to be a joke but i don't think it lands in fellowship when gandalf's like sam's like don't turn me into anything unnatural gandalf's like i have a better use for you and you just see sam like you don't see sam at first you just see frodo a horse and gandalf so you're like oh gandalf turns sam into a horse and then Sam, he's like, hurry up, Sam. And then Sam enters the, enters the, the scene and you're like, oh, ha. It. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's a joke that, that misses because yeah. people don't it realize. It misses so much that I don't even realize until this moment how much it missed. Cause it's like. Yeah. It, it, it took me like, I think it was like the 15th time I watched it. I'm like, I thought of a better use for you. You're like, here we go. What's going to happen? And then you're like, well, nothing happened. But in reality, all you see is Gandalf, a horse, and Frodo. So you're supposed to think that Sam was turned into a horse. But it doesn't deliver. You tell him it, yeah, go, go yeah. watch it back. It doesn't deliver. But anyway, Sam's my silver. <laughs> all right. Uh, my silver is a rare tie, but I had to give it to, to both of these actors, Sean Astin, as you mentioned, and Viggo Mortensen. Just, I mean, two performances that, you know, Sam is like the best friend you could ever hope to have yep and like vigo is like again the guy you just want to just follow into the gates of hell and i can't and they both have such quiet moments as well like the scene where aragorn finally rejects eowyn is such like a well-acted scene where he's just like I really just get it like, I can't believe I have to be this guy. And right, it's just right. like, yeah, it's just like, I can't give you what you need. It's such a, it's, and then you have the scenes where he's fucking leading an army of ghosts. I, I had the, just a little off topic. I was just like, imagine the feelings of the, the pirates when they're just like, oh, it's three guys. And they would have no concept of an army of ghosts or what to come out of that mountain. What is your last thought? Like, what the fuck? Everyone down. Yeah, they really did a great job with like just like in the, you know, they did the camera shot of Aragorn like fucking people up, and then in the background, they just the the ghost army just taking down one of the uh, the Mormigale, and it's just unbelievable. They just just taking it down so quick. Um, and also like some of the moments Aragorn is just like. They're about to go into like the mountain of death or whatever. He's like, I do not fear death and just walks in like a badass. And it's like, shut up, Aragorn. But and you know what? I buy it. The only other character that could do that would be like Sam. He'd be like, well, if Mr. Frodo's in there, I better go in. Yeah. But Aragorn, (laughs) I 100% believe is just like, I got to do it. I got yep. to do the way to do. Like, and, and, all, literally, and, all he's afraid of is Arwen dying. And, and how about that, how about that scene you talked about, where like, oh, like Aragorn had to put Eowyn down, basically. Like earlier in the movie, during the party, Theoden goes up to Eowyn and he's like, "I'm glad for you. He's an Ugh. honorable man." It's like Ugh. Aragorn should have turned around and been like, "Hey, I didn't say I wanna, shit that I'm." I want to. This, this is a great moment to to give my honorable mentions, which is a tie between our Rohan characters, uh, Miranda Miranda Otto, Carl Urban, and Bernard Hill who all fucking bring it in one moment, like at one moment or another, obviously like Eowyn has the biggest arc as well as, as well, as well as Theoden's like death. But I think like, if I were to distill, like, I think Carl Urban got the chance when he, you know, Aemir believes Eowyn to be dead, just be like, I'm going to put 100% of the fucking, like, I'm going to take the time I give me. And he just like the whale of pain. Yeah. 
He has. It's, like, it's, it's, it's almost like Al Pacino Godfather 3 status. Yeah. When his daughter dies like, and he's, he's his like, will. Yeah. He's like, this is, this is my moment. And he seizes it. Right. Uh, but it, all three of them do just a fantastic, like that little scene. Yeah. And then like the Bernard Hill, like the, the scene where the scenes where it's like, we only have 5,000 men. He's like, we go anyway. We, we ride. It's, yeah, oh, it's and his his death scene is is excellent. It really is emotional. He does a great job. He gets crushed by his own horse. It's brutal. Yeah. Um. So, Joe, do you have a uh, do you have a, a silver silver medal? The underdogs of the entire franchise. The actors that play the orcs. Yes, the they stuntman. Fucking crushed it. Yep. The guy like Gorbag. Shagrat. This goes out to Shagrat Gorbeck. The orcs, the actors who play the orcs. Uh, Joel Tobeck's one of them. Um, let me see. Sala Baker, Robert Pollock, Ross Duncan, Pete Smith, Jed Brophy. I don't know. Lee Hartley. I don't know if these are all um, stuntmen or some of them are stuntmen, some of them are, but they're on a level. They're so believable. It's I'm stupid. pretty sure Jed Brophy is one of the dwarves in the Hobbit movies too. Yeah, they killed it so so hard that they deserve a medal because without Absolutely. them doing it, if they didn't do it well enough, it would have fucked the whole movie easily. How, how about the orc? I think and I think it might be Jed Brophy. It's the orc that's like uh, that sees Frodo's like not dead. He was stabbed by sp- the shield up, and he's like he yeah, goes yeah. limp as a bound fish. Yeah, that guy's that orc's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I wish we had a Lord of the Rings book that was just from their perspective. I know there's like a fan yeah, book from their perspective. From, I never yeah, read from it. The, this, my, like, my the, sister the has, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But my sister has all those books. They're amazing. Enough, is he good enough of an author to do that successfully compared to how well Tolkien was able to write? I haven't read it, so I can't. I can't judge. I'm gonna read it. I'm, I need to read those. What is it? What is his name? I'm get. I'm gonna get. Um, I don't know. But for those of you who don't know what it is, it's it. The line of thinking that it takes is that Sauron is trying to bring like progress, technological progress to the world, and the heroes of Lord of the Rings are against the progress of men, like of of man, because they're like religious zealots, basically. Sauron's trying to make jobs. Yeah, he's and a job creator. The fellowship absolutely destroys the, the <laughs> say, economy. Say what you want about Sauron. <laughs> it came out in 1999. It was a it was a Russian book, so maybe there's hopefully there's a um, translation. Sure. One of the one of like the one of the guys living in Rohan is like, you know, I was gonna be the guy who like fixes all the like the uh, the, the wheels that Saruman made with the Orokai, like all the technology they had. I was gonna be the guy to fix it, but the Fellowship completely fucked that up for me. Now I'm jobless. <laughs> Listen, say what you want about Sauron, but he tells it like it is. <laughs> uh, Derek, who is your gold medal winner? So I did this in the two towers in the fellowship, I think, too. And I did this and I'm kind of reversing what I said. Originally, I said the gold is always going to be the trifecta, Peter Jackson, the crew and J.R.R. Tolkien. But I realized that Tolkien really doesn't have anything to do with these movies besides being the basis of the script. So I can't really put Tolkien's name in there. I think it's unfair when you put a writer in there who's not didn't even write the, the, the screenplay, just wrote the books. I think it's unfair. So I'm just going to go with Peter Jackson and the crew. 
uh, Weta, of course, uh, the, the amount of people who build the armor. And there's so many um, hours of deep, you know, of footage of like people make doing the makeup and making the costumes. It's, it's incredible. I, and as Peter Jackson, I said this last time too, he just looks like he is exhausted mentally. Oh, um, he just, I mean, I remember there was a moment I, I was watching a little bit of footage on YouTube and he was just like, I'm never, I'm never going to do a project like this again. The next one's going to be like an hour and a half movie. It's the budget's going to be low. Like, yeah, they made but, the fucking lovely bones after that. his yeah, follow-up. I like the lovely bones. Um, yeah, but I, so, but, but that, you know, then he does King Kong and then he does uh, the Hobbit trilogy with either whatever, you know, if you like it or not, he still put a lot of energy into it and whatever he does now, I feel like he puts a hundred percent in. And um, again, I'm going to bring this up, and I, 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 I apologize. We're all Beatles fans, so don't get too annoyed with me here. But the, the, the Get Back um, documentary he made for Disney, well, didn't make it for Disney Plus, Disney Plus released. It is like um, a nine-hour documentary, like you're a fly on the wall inside of the Beatles studio. You learn the most about their personality. And it is incredible. And, and he, Peter Jackson sat there and went through 60 hours of footage and was like, this is the best thing. He, he just did such a tremendous job. Now, like, even when he released Lord of the Rings, I remember I was like, Peter Jackson is my favorite director right now. But even now, like anything he touches is like, you know, he's putting in everything that he has. I, I think I'm going to save it for Christmas. I think that's going to be like my, my Christmas weekend watch. Yeah, you, you, it, it's very, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's very, uh, I, can't, I, don't know, I don't know, Joe, what the words are. But as a massive Beatles fan, like by the end of it, I was exhausted and like really sad. <laughs> I have only seen about an hour of it so far. I knew you, you have another. Going. You have another eight hours to go, my friend. <laughs> yeah, but it's he. He did it like Lord of the Rings. It was like the three different parts. I just like when they're sitting around and they they're just like every. He says something like everyone's got a boner, or like John Lennon <laughs> like makes this like fake lyric for the song. He does it a lot, and, and the thing is, it, it, it's it's just it's amazing how how he got every that. Every band does that. Yeah, every yeah. band does something stupid like that. But yeah, stupid. yeah, Peter Jackson's definitely got my gold, so that that's where yeah. I stand with that. Let's let's keep this moving because I know we have a we have a time limit, but uh, yeah, my gold, Peter Jackson's well. Uh, I mean, just everything you said, like it's such a labor that this guy took on to create this trilogy and he was clearly well rewarded for it as we'll talk about when we get to oscars joe do you gold have a... for me i'm gonna pick something different i okay. just don't want all of us to pick just be different sure thing. um a gold medal goes to the same reason why the person who did the t-rex in um in jurassic park changed Stan winston movie, yep. changed um movies forever i think that Andy Serkis's acting as Gollum and then whoever did the CGI for Gollum. Yep. I think the CGI for Gollum specifically changed movies forever. And I, yes. I don't know. There's scenes, there's some scenes where it's so believable. I can't believe it came out at the time it came out. Right. Like the, 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 the lighting, the lighting on some of the Gollum scenes are just dead on. And I can't believe that they have that. And then they have the, the witch king scene with the wings behind it like i don't understand how that's even in the same right um, same franchise but um yeah i would say whoever did the lighting or did the cgi for Gollum, I, i'm sure oh, dozens shit. of people had to work on something oh, like yeah. that at the time yeah and even now it just went through one guy and then to another person and then to another person until it was like maxed out you think <laughs> you're done tag me in all right so let's go to recasting let's recap what we've done before joe oh you had james mcavoy as your frodo i hate doing recasting go every go single one of us 
had Michael Fassbender as Aragorn. Amazing. Yep. Uh, I had Rachel Weiss as Arwen, Brian Cranston as Theoden, <laughs> Richard Richard Madden as Aomer, Elizabeth Olsen as Aowen, and Cameron Monaghan as Faramir. Derek, <clears throat> give me a second here. Over the course of the two episodes, had Mads Mikkelsen as Boromir, Chris Cooper as Denethor, Anne Hathaway. So you already had a Denethor, Derek. Okay, okay. Well, uh, wow, I forgot I did. Yeah. Anne Hathaway as Galadriel, Stanley Tucci as Elrond, Jessica Degau as Arwen, Michael Sheen as Wormtongue, which I think is probably your best pick because it's just phenomenal. Uh, Matthew Gray Goobler as Haldir. Jason Momoa as Gimli and the voice of Treebeard. <laughs> yes, that's the my best. That's my best one so far. <laughs> Charles Dance as Saruman, which is also very good. Uh, Billy Magnuson as Faramir. Uh, Natalie Dormer as Eowyn. Chris Hemsworth as Eomer. Pierce Brosnan as Theoden. Gary Oldman as Gandalf. Ewan Rehan as Gollum. Finn Jones as Legolas. Will Poulter as Pippin. Alfie Allen as Merry. Rupert Grint as Sam. And show favorite, Tom Holland as Frodo. <laughs> uh, wow. A lot of people. A lot of people. So I have a Denethor, and I decided to go with a guy I've used pretty recently, but uh, Ian McShane as Denethor. Get the hell out of here. I hate you. That's the same pick I had. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, it's too perfect. It's too, like. Yeah. He has that, like, Baromir, Faramir quality to him, too. Yep. Um, and I think yeah. I, I do like, and this is something they've talked about in the commentaries, I think, maybe of Two Towers, the extended commentaries, is they purposely made, they, they cast Faramir to be very different from Denethor physically because yeah. they wanted, basically the story is like Faramir looks more like the mother, the unmet mother. Right. Whereas Boromir is more the physical type, like, um, like, uh, like uh, Denethor is. That's, a, that's another but, thing too about the, about these movies and the, these books in general. There's a lot of missing mothers. Yeah, it's always like the guys. You know, Game of Thrones is a lot of like that too, but it has it has more stronger female characters. But there's just you know you don't meet any like women besides like two or three. Yeah, Galadriel is kind of like the mother to every. She's the mother. To, she's, yeah. she's she's had so many babies. She's yeah, she does have. I I, I believe. Uh, Arwen is one of her descendants. And... I tell you what, if I was going to make like some crazy, crazy like Tolkien porn, I would have Galadriel and like OG Sauron having sex, like just some crazy ass, like, wow, wow, like, whoa, like I'm going to watch this over and over again. Like, well, I, I mean, would... it'd, be, it'd be better. It'd be, I mean, you could go somewhere and it'd be Galadriel and Feanor would just like light the world on fire if they, if they ever slept right. together. Right. Or maybe Sauron and, uh, and, and, and Galadriel. Just Austin never crossed my mind. On this fucking podcast, I don't know why there's not like five star Lord of the Rings porn. <laughs> don't ruin and it. And that's for the me. episode. Everyone see it. <laughs> uh, so, does anyone have anything else that they want to add to recasting? No, just the Denethor one, and there's really there's not a lot of new characters in this movie to recast. So. Fuck Legolas. Worst casted of the whole thing. <laughs> who would you put in? Who would be your Legolas? I don't know. Anybody. Anybody? Didn't like him. Didn't like him. Chris, Chris Tucker. I felt like I feel like Orlando Do you Bloom understand the arrows like that are coming out of my boat? <laughs> like Orlando Bloom brought the corniness that like I didn't want in the movie. Like he's like the Hollywood is like version yeah. of this, where elves in Middle Earth are supposed to be goofy, like 
the like the dwarves are in the hobbit they're supposed to be goofy um a little goofy just a little yeah um i feel like he's not goofy at all like enough um but i don't know who i'd recast um just just even when i first watched it i was like ah, oh, that guy kind of sucks like I, I wanted to love this character um if you met orlando bloom face to face would you tell him that he sucked no okay i would i mean i wouldn't i'd just be psyched he'd probably just even if you did go to I would just ask him questions about the movie and what it was like. Yeah. Um, right, right. You're a good guy, Joe. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't shit. Even on if him. you did, even if you came at him hard, he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna go uh, hang out with my wife, Katy Perry. See you later." Oh, he's just, he's just my least favorite part of the of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, oh, so add elves can sense each other when they're nearby, which is sick. They got like a spider sense or like a hey, like a proximity. Oh, is that why like they created those like they created Sting, the one that Bilbo uses, and they can like detect orcs? Yeah, maybe that's why they created things like that. Details, that they don't like. It happens in the movie where they'll sense each other, like, "Oh, Arwen's here. Like, what is she doing here?" And he just knows. Um, little things like that are really cool, and I feel like the movie's got so much going on; they don't even need to explain some shit. They just maybe, do it. Maybe they can expand on that in the show. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. I yeah, think the I, show is going to be primarily men, but we'll see. We'll see. We don't know the exact. I hope the show does. I think what Peter Jackson did with Lord of the Rings, obviously he was the best person for the job. I hope the show takes like 20% more from the books and 20% less from the Jackson way of doing it. Well, I, they have, they have the time, it. certainly, because we all know that TV shows can really flesh out well, things. Well, I wonder because it's it's primarily it's the story of Numenor and you know sort of the, the fall of Numenor. So you, you got to think there's someone's been cast as Sauron. Oh, uh, is it a fair version of, of Sauron? Well, isn't it? I think it might be um, the guy who plays Benjamin Stark in Game of Thrones. He was cast as the villain. They said Sauron is he's the ultimate villain of the story, but he poses as, uh, hey, listen, I'm just here to give advice take it or don't like i'm not gonna hurt anybody yeah. meanwhile he's like plotting to like fuck everybody over yeah, right. Benjen, the guy who played benjamin stark looks great for the role yeah definitely but i'm just so psyched that i don't care i'm just like i just want to see i just want to see it on screen something else to note about these movies we're in the miscellaneous already so that that's perfect keep, there keep are with that. so many awkward looks like people just exchanging looks where there's no dialogue there's it should be a drinking game for lord of the rings just in general um where they're just like one character will just give a face and then the other character will catch that face and give a face back but you don't really know what they're trying to convey to each other i think there's a lot of that in this movie and i think it's the best it would be the best drinking game well clearly you can't drink that long to a movie this long or a franchise yeah. this long but that happens in this movie so much and i think it's just i think it's just peter jackson it's just what he does yeah he does. so i have a miscellaneous so the I forget the character's name, the orc captain who looks a bit like Sloth. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. What the hell is yeah, his name? Actually, he doesn't look like Sloth. He looks like Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Acquaintance of the show, Harvey Weinstein. Yes. Whose name fucking stains the credits of this movie. I thought he was Gorbag. Gothmog. His name's Gothmog. Gothmog, Gothmog you're right. Yeah. Like Gothmog. Gothmog. Backwards or cut, a, cut, a, cut apart. Yeah. Mm. Do, you guys, do you guys know what Harvey Weinstein looks like? I, of course. Yeah, he looks like fucking Gothmog is what he looks like. <laughs> Gothmog uh, Weinstein. Yeah. 
Harvey um, Gothmog. As far as miscellaneous goes, like I don't have a. I mean, you we could sit here and talk for oh, an yeah. hour about miscellaneous things. Yeah. But like you know, there's just some funny things that I remember reading. Like you know, there I were eight there were eight million eggs cooked on the set of Lord of the Rings. Like <laughs> like things like that. Um, one scene that we haven't brought uh, that I haven't uh, brought up, but I love is when Frodo and Sam are walking up the stairs early on, and they're like right near uh-huh. Minas Morgul. And it's like the green flame thing, the green light that comes from the top of yeah. it and shoots up to the sky. It was like, whoa, it was a really cool sequence. Unlight, I think it's um, called. Yeah. It's like an unlight thing. It's like, they, like Tolkien describes it as like, it's light, but it's like dark. It's like, yeah, it's dark like, light, dark magic. Like, that stuff is so cool. Like, And again, I know, you know, I mentioned that game, Lord of the Rings Conquest, but when you do go, like it takes you everywhere. You're fighting in Minas Morgul as an orc. It's really interesting. It takes you everywhere. Um, and it, it actually shows you things that you don't really see in the movies, which is really neat. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any of the miscellaneous. Um, obviously, I think the, the scenes that were cut, it kind of sucks that they were cut. Obviously, I, I'd really have, I, I think Saruman's death should have been there, of course. I think it was a bad, I think it was really Peter Jackson's bad move. You know what I mean? Why does he have to get impaled? Too. He gets oh, he gets a brutal death, and I just yeah. love it. It's like, that's um, not, but, that, but you got to remember that if you read the books, that is not what the books are about. And I know I'm a dad now, and maybe even my thought process is changing, and I don't want everything to be as as brutal and gory. But like, I don't know. But I think it's overkill. I think they overkill. Well, you know what? And, and another thing is, they really could have done an awesome Gandalf versus Saruman battle. Oh yeah. Like just, a little just, bit. just clean it up and let Gandalf kick some ass. Come on, let Gandalf do something in this movie except just tell us what death is like. So, <laughs> yeah. So let's go to Oscars. This, of course, this movie holds the record for most Oscar wins. Uh, it wins Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Score, Best Song, Best Sound Mixing, Best Art Direction, Best Makeup, Best Costume Design, Best Editing, and Best Visual Effects. Let's go through. We talked about this year once before in our City of God episode. Mm. Of course, Return of the King wins Best Picture. Other nominees are Lost in Translation, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, Mystic River, and Seabiscuit. Mystic oh, River lost, man. Yeah, I was like, Mystic River's a pretty heavy hitter, so but good. I mean, so is, I mean, I believe we kicked out. I wish I'd listened to this episode, but I believe we kicked out Master and maybe Seabiscuit. We kicked out something and put City of God in there. Master Commander's cool, but it, it has no right being yeah. even next to Return of the King. I mean, I think Return, there are all these are, I think, pretty good movies. Yeah. At least, you know, even Seabiscuit is so good. Dennis Lehane is yeah. amazing. Mystic yeah. River is very organized, um, script wise. Um, yeah. Structurally, it's perfectly organized. And it feels like Boston so much. (laughs) There's one corny scene in the whole movie. Like there's one scene where they do another parallel of of the kids, the adults looking down the street with the car driving. There's literally one scene in the whole movie where I'm like, that didn't need to be in there. And then (laughs) it's a whole movie. That's a long movie. Here's the thing though. Those movies are all good. Like I really like Lost in Translation. But those movies are at one level and return of the king is like an all-time we're going to talk about it with our grandchildren level yeah you yeah know? it's on the star wars level yes so so that's that's I, where i, I, see. I think no I, I, I mean yeah. i think return of the king is i mean I, I can't name a star wars movie that's as good as return of the king personally but. i think um um fellowship of the ring i think 
out of that the three fellowships the best and i think out of all of star wars and all lord of the rings fellowships number one that's, I, th- that's I, I honestly agree with you i think fellowship is, is the best of the trilogy personally but I, st- I still two towers is i think to me it it you just love battles you love the i battles. love i love battles i love the yeah. build-up to the battles Gollum. That's battle movie. I think that's the best battle movie of all time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think I think Gollum is just a fucking triumph in that movie. And, and, and coming off, you know, the second Lord of the Rings against the second Harry Potter, Dobby against Gollum. Are you yeah. joking? Yeah, Are you Dobby's, joking? Dobby's Dobby. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yes, good, good point. But again, good point. Jar, we're not too far removed from Jar Jar Binks. You know, it's 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 amazing. Uh, but yeah, the, so, all right, let's, let's go to, to, to best story. I mean, as far as Star Wars, like, I think it's trying to do something different. Like to me, it's like compared to food, it's like one of them is like the best piece of chocolate cake you've ever had in your life. And one of them is like the best cheeseburger you've had in your life. They're both doing different things, even though yeah. they're technically both just feeding you. Uh, but let's go to best director. Peter Jackson, of course, wins. Other nominees are Fernando Marias, I believe, for City of God. Sofia Coppola for Lost in Translation. Peter Weir for Master and Commander. And Clint Eastwood for Mystic River. I think we agree. Peter Jackson takes it. Jackson he takes it. He put in the it. most work. He put in the most work and he did the impossible. Yeah, he yes. really did. He really did. So, who would qualify for best actor? Would we I mean, say it's... Viggo Mortensen or would we say Elijah Wood? Andy Serkis is the lead actor because oh, Gollum's Gollum's barely in the movie. Gollum's in the beginning and the end. He's not there's in the so middle. Many, there's so many characters in this movie that you could consider the the main, but Frodo is the main in my opinion. I think it's I think it's Frodo. I think it's Frodo. Yeah. So Sean Penn wins for Mystic River. Johnny Depp is nominated for Pirates of the Caribbean. Ben Kingsley in House of Sand and Fog, Jude Law in Cold Mountain, and Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. Murray, look at that. Getting the Oscar that's nom. A, that's a hell of a performance. Yeah, it's a good that's movie. A, it's a good movie. Um, um, I don't put I don't think Elijah or Vigo need to be in there. Yeah. The, I, movie, the, the, the movie is not the sum. The movie is 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 a bigger thing than just yes. the acting, the one I, acting. I agree. And these these are all I would argue maybe that Johnny Depp is not the main character of pirates of the caribbean it's our guy orlando bloom i agree with that i think jack sparrow is a great big side character yeah yeah technically in the i mean in the late in the sequels he becomes the main character for the first one i like orlando bloom more in the pirates of the caribbean movies than oh sure i think you you want to something funny i actually think he's more stale in those ones than in lord of the rings when he gets to actually act and do things i'm like maybe he shouldn't talk like an elf I th- I think he in the sequel so that like I think the sort of three way sword fight in the the second Pirates of the oh, Caribbean Oh, Dead movie, Man's Chest, great scene. Yeah, fun, fun. Like that's that's like okay, he's like cutting loose and he's having a good time. I'm actually looking forward to doing some pirates at some point in the show. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it soon. Um, so nobody, nobody for best actress. I'm sorry, Derek. I'm trying to um less, but I'm catching myself. Don't worry. I'm going to be editing this for fucking till Thursday morning. <laughs> uh, best supporting actor. Who do there's a fucking embarrassment of riches in this category, I feel like, for this movie. But nobody gets nominated. Oh man, I th- I really think Sean Aston deserves a nom. 
I think you'd make a case for Sean Astin. I think you make a case for Bigo. I think you could make a case for Andy Serkis. I Dude. think you could make a case for Bernard Hill. Yeah, Bernard Hill, um, Miranda Otto, maybe she has some well, good Miranda moments. Otto, that'd be sporting. That'd be oh, sporting. Oh, yeah, but, da, 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 yeah. Da. I, I still don't think make, anybody you needs could make it. a case for Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen, yep. I think you could you could feasibly have. So, I mean, let's go through. So it's won by Tim Robbins, Alec Baldwin for Mr. River, Tim Robbins, Alec Baldwin in the cooler, Benicio del Toro in 21 grams, Jaiman Hansu in In America, and Ken Watanabe in The Last Samurai. I like all those guys. Yeah. I mean, who, but, who would we? Let's, let's figure out first, who are we going with? I'm going with Sean Astin. I'm okay with that. I'm not saying he wins, but I think he deserves yeah, to be recognized. I think, I think he does deserve to be recognized. I'm okay with getting Alec Baldwin out of there. Yeah, get, get, the, get the fuck out of there, Alec. Baldwin. I won't make a joke, I promise. Uh, <laughs> Poor Alec. <laughs> that's a tough, tough beat. Oh. Yeah, awful story. So, oh, yeah. best supporting actress is won uh, by Renee Zellweger in Cold Mountain in a performance I don't particularly love. Please forgive me for this name. Please. Shohira Agdashlu. Rick, seriously? Like, come on. S H O H R E H is the first name. The last name is A G H D A S H L O O. Okay. Yeah. You do better. <laughs> I would have I would have done the I would have done the office space thing. Agar agar ain't gonna work here anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia Clarkson in Pieces of April, Marsha Gay Harden in Mystic River, and oh, Holly Hunter in 13. Marsha Gay Harden in Mystic River is outstanding. She's phenomenal. She's great in everything. Yeah, she really is. Uh, I don't think Miranda. I don't think Miranda yeah. Otto should be there. I think she's okay. she's recognized as doing a great job, but it's not enough for me. Yeah. What are you eating with this? What are we eating with this? Um, yeah. Just fucking second cow- breakfast. Just Kowloon. Just chicken fingers, <laughs> lobster sauce, fucking soup, boneless spirits, spirits on the bone. I want to eat three poopoo platters by myself during the 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 duration of this movie. Um, Excellent. That's what I'm thinking. So are you ready? Do you want more time to describe why this is the greatest movie of all time? Do you think you can do it in 30 No, seconds? I can do it in 30 seconds. All right. Three, two, one, go. Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King is one of the biggest epics of all time. Uh, it can't be touched. It's, uh, it's tremendous. I remember seeing it at the theater and wondering if it's going to be as good as the first two. And after the Pelennor Fields, I thought this gave me more than I thought it was going to give me. And that was when the first time I saw it, I was blown away. And I think most people who give fantasy a chance will realize and recognize how phenomenal this is. So go see it. 24.6 seconds. Excellent job. Nice. So that has been our episode on Lord of the Rings. Last thing. Oh, okay. Last thing. You said, what are we eating with this? Yeah. I disagree with Chinese food. Okay. Okay. Beef and barley soup inside a mashed potato bowl. Yeah. I think like shepherd's pie. Shepherd's pie. And it has got to be in a mashed potato bowl. Yeah. Either one. Something hearty. Something to eat in the shire. Popcorn sized bowl. And you're just sitting there and you're taking the whole thing down. And I'm also eating like tomatoes and just like chewing with my mouth open oh no <laughs> somehow trending but i have when she well, said what are we eating with this i'm like i have to say something well, guys. So, sagas, sagas wings come on sagas wings, sagas wings. <laughs> fuck off <laughs>
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, like I, I think things they would serve in the Shire, like hearty English fare, I feel like would be appropriate with this. All right, I'm fine with that. But I'm washing it down with a mai tai. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna wash right. mine down with the purple Hawaiian punch. There you go. All right. High only. (laughs) Rest in peace, by the way. All right. So that is our episode. That is our series. Wow. Lord of the Rings. Done with Lord of the Rings. We kept it. We talked about it. We did an unaired pilot on Lord of the Rings before. We did. It was our first one, and then we dropped it. But I will say that we we went on way more tangents in the first two episodes. We 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 really calmed down the third time. Just kind of stuck to our. This is still possibly going to be our longest episode. Yeah. With can no tangent. Try. I know it's going to be hard, but th- can you try to do an episode on a on something like a deep dive, like a fan edit of a film? Because um, there's so many that exist, but they're hard to find. Like how they took Star Wars and like made it better, or like you should check this out and we found this, or like because um, it's making it the best movie ever, uh, greatest movie ever. Um, I know that they have that for the Hobbit. They took the Hobbit movies and they tried to put it into one film. Did they really? I didn't even know about yeah. that. Yeah, if you go on Reddit, you'll find these that they people have made these, then you got to figure out how to actually get them. It is more work to do it, but I think no, I don't think anyone's talking about it. I don't even know how I found it. I found it because of Reddit, but like I think talking about that stuff could be cool and it's definitely could be, a new avenue. Could be interesting. Yeah, it's definitely. Like and it's doing the work for people that don't don't know to nerd yeah. out and do that. Right. Um, so all right, let's uh let's wrap it up here. Yeah. I've had a great time talking about these movies, Joe. We're going to have, I mean, do you want to do another series with us? Do you have anything else you, you're passassionate about? We'll have you on in the future. A new Dune movie, maybe. Oh, fuck, um, yes. We're going to talk that, about a Chalamet. Isn't that a movie about sand? Yes, it's about Dune, sand, Derek. Watch the fucking movie. You Dune is, is one of the greatest science fiction movies. The new one is one of the greatest science fiction movies ever, ever. And that's a, that's a bold to, statement. I just want it on record I that I did not suggest a Timothy Chalamet movie. <laughs> four times i've seen it four times since it came out I've, oh, i i that's a movie i was like i need to see it in theater and yeah. and jan my wife was like why don't you just watch it on hbo max i was like no 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 theater yeah derek you need to watch it yesterday they don't wipe those seats down at the movies go just just get ridiculous like get, a, get your best Wear gloves. audio watch it at home then but like make sure the audio whatever you're listening to it through is the best you can do at home. Okay. If you're not going to go to the theaters. I've watched it four times since it came out. It did not come out that long ago. Yeah, it, that actually does seem like a movie Derek would fucking love. And you know what's funny? Yeah. Joe did text me and say, I just saw this three times. Go watch it. I remember that text now. <laughs> <laughs> go, go fucking watch it. It's, I think because of this coming out is the, I think it's going to hurt Star Wars more than anything has. I mean, the last jet, not the last Jedi, the uh, Rise of Skywalker, fucking hurt oh, Star go. Wars. I gotta more get than... ready for this. Giving this baby medicine, I gotta go. All right, all right, Joe. Have... Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having right. me. It's fucking awesome. Rick and I will we'll finish this off. We'll wrap Peace. it up later. Right. See you. All right. So, thanks, Joe, for being on the episode. He had to run, but let's talk about what we have coming up for the month of December. Ooh, we're already we're already on the December. yeah. Like what happened? Hell yes. So. Next week starts our two-part series. Is it a Christmas movie? When we talk Die Hard, yippee motherfucker, we're talking Die Hard. After that, we're having Katie Swin back back on the show, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Then G is back on the show. A true, no questions, a Christmas movie, Christmas Vacation, a rare comedy. I feel like we need to do more comedies. 
Yeah, I think so too. I'd be down to that. Uh, then to cap off the year, what some people would consider one of the all-time classic movies, and that is Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. back to 1994. Yep. We're gonna open that wound up again. And we're gonna talk about it. I think one of our past guests, Lucas Lamont, took a giant shit on that movie. I have mixed feelings on that movie. That should be interesting. I've, I've, I there. I actually am looking forward to talking about it because I like a lot about it, but I definitely have some major issues with it. Okay, I'm excited. So that's our December. Can't wait for you to join us. Get involved in the conversation on social media. We'd love to hear from you. I, of course, have been your favorite amazing co-host. We're going to travel to the Undying Lands together at the end of our lives. We're together forever. Rick mm-hmm. Barrasso. That was, that was beautiful, Rick. That was, yep. that was beautiful. And I have been your co-host, Lord of the Rings Gowski. Rick. Keep watching, everyone. Do you understand the arrows that are coming out of my boat? <laughs>